Good evening. Welcome to Milkshake Monday. I'm Anita Helm, and this is being produced by Fordos Production. We wanted to welcome you and give you a couple of announcements. As of August the 7th of 2023, we will be live streaming Milkshake Monday from our YouTube channel at Fordos Productions. And we wanted to make sure you are aware of that. We will forward the video back over to Facebook and to all our other groups and page so that you will have the opportunity to see that broadcast. But we will be broadcasting August 7th at our YouTube channel at Fordos Productions. Also, October 14th is our Let's Get Connected. It's in memorial memoriam of Reverend William Dallas Helm and the homeless event and the opportunity to share with the needy in the Fairfax County. For those who want to volunteer or donate, please reach out and send a comment to me or reach out to our church uh, at Resurrection Baptist Church's page. And we'd love to have you all to support and help us. And if you can't do anything, just do the most important thing, which is to pray. So tonight we're going to talk about the title, You Matter. You Matter. And the reason why I wanted to share that is because those of you who do not know Christ, you matter. Those of you who know Christ, you matter. Those people who are going through sickness or have family members who are sick, you matter. The people who are grieving, whether it's this month, five years from now, five, 10 years past, if you're grieving, you matter. If you find that you're depressed or you feel like you're oppressed, if you feel that you're, you're rich and you feel like life really doesn't have a purpose because you've made all this money, but you don't really have a path or purpose, or you find that you're poor and you feel like your needs are not met and you just don't know how you're going to make it. It doesn't matter if you're a professional white collar worker or you're a laborer. It does not matter because Christ came and died for everyone. And just to prove that you will see in the scriptures, whether it's tonight or other passages from the tonight on where he loves and serves and sacrifice for a leper who was an outcast, or you find that he's helping sick children, or he's helping people who are struggling, or in his Holy Spirit, help people who were barren, people who were incarcerated, people who found themselves in trouble. Trouble, trouble, trouble. And no matter where you are as you listen tonight, I just want you to say to yourself, you matter. You matter to God. And because you matter, there's a battle going on. There's a battle, not just within you, because if you don't have the Lord, then you're battling with that sin nature, just like we who love the Lord are battling with that sin nature. But we have Christ inside. We have a spiritual power inside. We have that love, that knowledge, that truth inside of us because we've established that relationship with the vine. But Satan also is battling for you because he wants to do everything he can to let you think you don't matter to give up, to quit, that there's no hope. And Satan wants you to feel everything but the love of God. So tonight I'm going to start with the scripture in second Peter chapter three, verses eight through 10. And the first time I read it, I'm going to read it out of the King James version. And the second time I read the same scripture, it's coming out of the amplified. And what I want you to grab hold on is that the Lord the God Almighty, the Father, is really not willing that any should perish. You know how you have a will, you want something? He is not willing and does not want anyone to perish. From those who are poor to those who are rich, 
to those who are black, to those who are white, to those who are brown, those who are yellow, orange, and in between. He doesn't want any of us that he has made in his creation to find themselves in hell separated from him for eternity. But the reality is people have free will. God has given us all free will. So as you listen to the scripture of why do you matter? Why is it so important that I share with you the importance of who you are to God and why he believes you matter? You're going to see these words in a few minutes that you are his own chosen people, that he created us in the very image and likeness of himself. And he's God. He didn't create the angels like us. He didn't create the animals like us. He didn't create the sun or the moon like us, the insects like us. He created man like in the image and likeness. So look at what the scripture says in second Peter chapter three, verses eight through 10. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day, one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth and all, and also the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now here's the amplified of that. And I want you to think not only do you matter, but that time matters. When they start to speak to us about a day being like a thousand years, that there's a clock that God the Father knows, and there's gonna come a time that only he knows that he's gonna give everybody in the human race the opportunity to hear the truth and the message and the precepts of his son, Jesus Christ, and to have that free will choice, which will matter most to your eternity. You will either be with him or separated from him all of eternity. So here's the same Second Peter three verses eight through 10 in the amplified with extra words, just to make it clear for all of us to understand. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward us. I'm going to say that again. The Lord is extraordinarily patient toward us, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The all that's spoken there is the drug addict, you matter. The porn addict, the shoplifter, the adulterer, the alcoholic, the liars, the thieves, the cheaters, the abusers, the manipulators, the people who are gossipers, the people who are gamblers, the people who are doing all kinds of murdering and gang banging and all kinds of things. You name the sin, 
God does not want any to perish. All of those things are sinful acts in our beings, in our flesh, that all of us have the ability and have committed in some way or fashion. But the thing about it is God knew all of our sin and he still sent his son for that sin in the sense of the judge changing places with the convicted convict and saying, instead of you going, who was just deserving to go, I'm going to go for you and pay that penalty. The wages of sin is death. And he paid that penalty because you matter. I matter. We matter. It says, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will vanish with a mighty and thunderous roar and the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and the works that are on it will be burned up. We know we've been talking and debating and there's been lots of back and forth regarding climate change. And there are days that we get notifications on our mobile devices to say the air quality is bad. The heat index is high. The, all these things are going on. We have a storm. We have thunderstorm watches. We have flash flood watches. We have tornadoes. We have hurricanes. All of these things are happening. But God is saying when his time comes, it's not going to be that we're going to get a meteorologist report. We got storm coming. God's going to crack the sky and he's going to just act. But he's so patient. It says extraordinarily patient. All of these devices that we're using to tell people about Christ, to beg people to give their lives to Christ. You know, I had a circumstance where I'm very sensitive that when people give their lives to Christ, that they understand there's a repentance part to it. You're not just saying, I want to become a member or this or that. You have to repent because there's something that we have to understand that all of us have sinned. And God didn't say that because he sinned, we can't have a relationship. He said, because I know you've sinned, I want you to understand where that leaves you. It leaves you in damnation. But because of my love, I've given you my only begotten son, Jesus, that Jesus not having one ounce or inch of sin himself said, I love them. I'm going to go. I'm going to give my life for them. But all we had to do is admit that we've sinned and we missed Mark. Now, in Colossians chapter one, verses three through 12, it's going to talk about where we find ourselves in the distractions of our flesh. Even when we who say that we have given our lives to Christ, it doesn't mean the flesh battle is not there. We have to mortify, kill, put down the flesh all the time. But the thing about it is Satan wants us to get so distracted with all of these enticements. People said to me, I got this question. What's the difference about this younger generation? Well, one of the things that I've noticed about the younger generation, yes, there's an, uh, an attitude of entitlement that they have a lot more, but they have a lot less instruction about the things of the Lord about the fear and admonition of the Lord, the respect of the Lord, the reference, the reverence of God and who he is in their lives. There's no even understanding sometimes about good and evil. They don't even understand that there is a devil. When the pastor this week talked about the man in the red suit, they don't even think that Satan 
I mean, it was really foolish to think that Satan was in a red suit with little horns on, but they don't even hear that there is a devil, that there is a Satan. They see on a TV show, Lucifer, that he's a good looking guy. Well, he, he can give the appearance of an angel of light, but they're thinking of him as some romantic character to be fallen in love with. But here we're going to see in Colossians that in our relationship of having the new life, that we're supposed to put down some of the behaviors. But we're having this struggle on the inside, but even on the battle with Satan says he doesn't want you to give it away because he understands to to put aside, to mortify, to die to some of these behaviors and habits and fleshly things that are temptations to us. The more that he can get us to look to those things, the more that we will feel we don't matter to God that we're too sinful to God, that he's not going to want us because we're doing this, that, and the other. And God is saying, don't listen to the lie. Don't stay in the the muck and the mire of all the sin. That's why even the alcoholics and addicts will come to their knowledge and say one day at a time, one day at a time, we have to get up in the morning, praise the Lord and ask God to be with us, study his word, Pray about the things that are going on in our lives so that we can put down some of the things you're going to see here. But verse three says, for you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual, self-centered instincts, immortality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Those who fail to listen, at least by you. Now, some of you won't click in and I won't know that you're on, but those of you who even just hover and listen quietly, silently in your privacy, you're at least listening. You're at least taking the time to say, let me see what she's saying. Let me see what she's saying tonight. Because by chance, the spirit of God may have led you to just hear a little bit and be tugged in your heart to say, you know, there's something missing in my life. I have the women, I have the money, I have the things, I have the job, I have all the stuff, but something is missing. And what's missing is that relationship of Jesus Christ, that no amount of amount of money or things or people or relationships or sexual activity or dancing and drugging and drinking can fill that void, but you're willing to listen. But in the case of the sons of disobedience, they fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts. And in these sinful things, you also once walked when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. Some of you unsaved have really never heard about the word of God. Some of you unsaved have never taken it as a relationship. You've only heard it as the do's and don'ts of thou shalt not and the man upstairs and all these things that are very punitive, judgmental. God is the ultimate judge, but God is also the one who loves us so much in spite of knowing every detail about our lives, the good, bad, and the ugly. And he says, I love you. 
I love you enough to say, come to me and repent. Come to me and make a change through my son, through his love, through the Holy Spirit. Let us become a part of your life. But here's the thing. If you choose not to get rid of things and you want to hold on to being in contempt of God and saying, I don't need God, I don't want God, there is going to be a day of reckoning that all of us have to give an account because of that free will and the choices that we are making. And it says here that we once walked, but when you yourselves completely of all these things, you know, we had anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene abusive, filthy, vulgar language from your mouth. And it says, do not lie to one another for you have stripped off the old self with its evil practices. And I put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self. Now, Satan doesn't want you to know about the new self. He doesn't want to under, you to understand that like Rahab, who was a prostitute, who was in the sex trafficking, not sex trafficking, but she was doing sexual things, that her life changed. She had a new life to the point that she's in the very lineage of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter one. There are things in all of us that are sinful. We're all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Christ coming into your life, coming into that void, that whole that, that, that's part of you that this cannot be filled by anything and you've tried, but there's something that Satan wants you to believe that you can't change. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. He knows that if you give the Lord Jesus Christ, the opportunity to love you, to teach you, to disciple you through the word of God, you will recognize that he's created that new self, a renewal verse 11 in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, nor between nations, whether barbarian or Scythian, nor in the status, whether slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So believers are equal in Christ without distinction. That means it doesn't matter if you are not a preacher, doesn't matter if you're not a teacher, doesn't matter if you are the person that sweeps the floors. Doesn't matter if you're the one that parks the car. It doesn't matter if you have this title, if you don't have a title. If you're in the pulpit, you're not in the pulpit. If you want to stand up, if you want to sit down, if you want to close your eyes, if you want to open your eyes, it's important that you have the relationship with Christ. It's not, he has no respecter of person. He sees those who are his that are true worshipers. And finally, the scripture that reads in verse 12, so as God's own chosen people, you matter, who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose, you matter. And well-beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper. He sees you. He sees all of you, not the part that the hair and the makeup and the clothes and where you live and what you drive and what you make. None of that matters to him. It's your heart. Now, I want us to see some examples. Tonight, I want us to see the different people that I'm bringing up. 
I could have spent hours telling you every typical person in the Bible that God is showing as examples of any time Christ encountered people, he loved them. He saw them. He ministered to them. He served them. He cared for them. When they questioned, will you? He would. When he would, he would see suffering, he could have passed by the suffering, but he engaged because he loves us. He came down through 42 generations to love, to show and demonstrate how much he loves us, knowing everything about us. He knew every part about us, past, present, and future. And he said, I love you and I'm coming. And he came, he let people torture him to death. He resurrected, he's there with God the Father, and he's still praying for us. And he left us with the comforter, the Holy Spirit. So in the examples, I want you to just think about your own self. When you go and hear the lie of the devil to say you don't matter, that you're ugly, that you're fat, that you're disabled, that you're poor, that you don't mean anything, that you're worthless. I want you to understand those are the lie from the pit of hell and that God lets you know you matter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, we are the whosoever, we matter to him so much that he gave his only begotten son for our salvation. The first scripture is coming out of Luke chapter seven, verses 11 through 17. I'm going to paraphrase this one because I wanted to, to read it. Uh, I know I'm sensitive of time tonight. What you have happening in Luke seven is you will see that there's a blind man and he asked the Lord to heal him and God restores his sight. And then he finds himself walking toward the gate and he sees this large crowd. And in the large crowd, he sees the coffin, the, the funeral buyer, and he sees that there's a man in the open coffin and he sees this woman and he realizes she's a widow who has lost her only son. And what the scripture says, I'm going to read it. I decided I'm going to read it. What the scripture says in verse 11 of chapter seven. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, she matters. She mattered. You matter. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin and those who carried him, that's the dead person, stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak and he presented him to his mother. He didn't have to stop. He was on his way, but he stopped. After he just healed a man who asked him, well, he asked the question, the man in the previous sec section said to him, I said, you have not, uh, now, I got that story mixed up in chapter seven. It was talking about the man who had a servant and was a centurion, had a servant and Christ actually healed him. But in John, we're going to see this in a second. 
John and Luke, I have a couple of things I'm going to show you. So I got that confused for a second. So in John chapter four, verses 46 through 50, we have a healing of a nobleman's son. And what you're going to see is that the man is going to come to Christ and say, I need you to heal my son. The son has this terrible fever and he's almost to death. So we saw a mother who was a widow who lost a husband and she lost her only son. And now we have this man whose son is sick. And I'm not saying that Christ only thinks that you matter when you're sick. You matter when you're well. When you were well and unsaved and going through that wide gate, he came and gave his life. But I'm showing you people that are feeling as though God doesn't really see them because they're sick and they have diseases and they're struggling and they're hurting and they're grieving. And he, you may say, does he care? Does he know? Does he understand my pain? I wanted you to see that grieving mama that was a widower that was going to be by herself. Christ had compassion on her and gave her her son back. Verse 46 of John 4. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're rich, if your kid's sick and is dying, you're going to look to the help. And where does our help come? It comes from the Lord. Having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea to Galilee, he went to meet him. He's a royal official. Normally you tell the royals and royals would tell the underlings, y'all come to me. He came to Jesus because he understood he was the source of his help. He needed to go to Jesus. And there are people with money, possessions, assets, titles. Jesus is not going to bow down to you. You have to come to him. You matter in the sense of salvation, but you're never going to be higher than Christ. In this sense, he says, he went to meet him and began asking, not telling, asking him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. He was saying that because over and over and over again, people wanted him to perform miracles. But here's the change of what you're going to see with this guy. The royal official pleaded with him. Sir, do not come down. Excuse me, sir, do come down at once before my child dies. He's pleading with him. Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. He didn't have to touch him. He didn't go to him. He spoke a word. In our lives, Christ can speak a word. That's why he's praying and interceding and giving groans because you and I matter. And he can speak a word to that situation. He could speak a word to that death that's in your marriage, that death that's in your, your misbehaving child, that death that's in your finances, that death that's all around you in your struggle, in your situation. But he says to this royal official, your son lives. Now, what you're going to see here. Go, your son lives. The man believed what Jesus said to him and started home. Now, when he was on his way home, I'm just going to paraphrase the end because of time. And if one of his servants came and said, your son lives. And he said, when did this happen? And he said, the seventh hour. And he realized that's exactly when Christ says, go, your son lives. And it says here that he and his household believed. You matter, your family matters, 
The people you love matter. Now let's go to Zacchaeus' story in Luke chapter 19, verses 5 through 9. This is where I was talking about the blind man, and I got it ahead of myself. That in Luke 19, there was a blind man that Christ had just healed. As in, as he was coming into Jericho, he had just done this healing. And in verse 5, it says, when Jesus reached the place, meaning in Jericho, he looked up and said to him, he looked up in a tree. We always see this cute story. He looked up into a tree of Zacchaeus who was interested in Christ. He had heard just like the, the official heard that we just learned about that had the sick and dying son that he heard about Christ. And Zacchaeus heard so much and knew there was such a crowd and knew he wasn't one of the favorite people. He got up in a tree so he could look at Jesus and see what he's going to say. And he had no thoughts that he mattered in the story of Christ, that he'd be in the Bible. He just knew he wanted to hear about Jesus. And some people take the time to look at a preacher, whether on the television or the radio and listen or on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you happen to have the message of the Lord being proclaimed to you. And Zacchaeus being unsaved at that time had done a lot of stuff in his life that you're going to see. He was a cheater. He's a lying and cheating and people knew him as a sinner and he knew himself as a sinner, but something drew him that he wanted to hear about Christ. And you matter to the point that you're not by accident listening about Christ. You could be Zacchaeus, maybe not in a tree, but in a car in a house, in a barbershop, and you're just listening and you think, oh, I'm just happening by this. No, the spirit is drawing you. And it says here, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and welcomed Jesus with joy. When the people saw it, they all began muttering in discontent. People may mutter because they don't think you matter to God, but God says you matter very much to him and don't care about what people mutter because he's given his life and what they need, they need to shut their mouth and stop muttering and start repenting. It says he has gone. It says when the people saw it, they all began muttering in discontent. He has gone to be with the guest of a man who is notorious, who is a notorious sinner. Well, guess what? They may be a notorious sinner too. They just haven't repented enough. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, see, Lord, I am now giving half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will give back four times as much. See, when you meet Jesus, when you encounter Jesus, when you actually have a real experience, something changes in you. You're transformed because you recognize that God sees you as you are, not as you pretend to be. You can't pretend with God. You can't put on makeup with God. You can't falsify and be a fraud with God because God knows and sees everything about each and every one of us. And he says, each of us matters to him. It says, Jesus said to him today, Salvation has come to this household because he too is a spiritual son of Abraham. 
He was letting those murmuring and complaining people understand that this man is being saved. Don't you put yourself in a position of determining who you think matter. Because Christ says we all matter. It is not his will that any should perish. So we can't look at people. And I want to be clear about something. I had a a situation where I am never concerned about who's coming to give their life in that sense of color, diversity, demographics you have, you don't have. I just want to make sure that people are coming with the motive of giving their life to Jesus Christ. That's, that's my heart's desire because I don't want people to be playing games and then they think, Oh, you know, I did get, I did get, uh, get to become one of those people on the membership role of church X, B, C and all that stuff. And then they find when they get before God and God says, Depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. And the people that are allowing them to think they're somehow playing the game of, oh, I came. It's not about you coming. It's about you repenting of your sins and giving your life as a true worshiper of Jesus Christ, realizing that we deserved to go to hell. Ain't no question about it. All of us deserve to go to hell. But because of the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God allowing his son to come and us realizing that we didn't deserve it. We didn't merit it. We can't earn it, but God, I'm worthy of death. And I thank you that you bring your son and brought your son and I believe in him and I serve him and I praise him and I want to learn more of him. That's what we got to make sure that we're sharing and not religion and not pretense. Another example is that God knows each and every one of us and what's in our book and why he brought us here. The purpose of why you're here is something that God knows. And I want to show you the example of the old Testament where God doesn't just know your name and the hair on your head and your eye color and the DNA that you got your grandmother's four generations nose and you got your mama's eyes and you got your daddy's legs. That stuff is superficial. But I want you to understand that you matter to such an extent that God even knows what he's put into you for your passion, your gifts and your talents. And that's why we're going to go to Exodus 31. Exodus 31 describes in detail what I always think about in Psalm 139, that God knows our books and that he's fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of us. We matter to him so much that he created and fashioned and crafted us molded us into what he wanted us to be and what he put us here to do. Even if you see some people who have addictions, people that are outside and you're like, man, man, they're a great artist. You see all this talent behind the prison walls, people who have artistic abilities, people who are writing sonnets, people who are writing books, people who are getting their law degrees, all of that talent. They've always mattered. They just didn't know it. And Satan bamboozled them to take them to a place of being in prison. But even in the prison, God can use you. Even in the slums, God can use you and clean you up and have you witnessing because he may have you in the slums today, clean you up and you go right back to those slums and you witness to those other people about the grace of God. But here we have in Exodus 31, verse one through six, it says, now the Lord said to Moses, see, I have called by name, 
Do you hear that? By name, Pam, by name, Winnie, by name, Noel, Anita, and Mary, and all of us, Faith, we're all called by name, that God has known us by name because we matter. We matter in such great detail and fortitude of who God has made us and created us to be. He says, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and skill in understanding and intelligence in knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carvings of wood to work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And behold, I myself have appointed with him Oliab, son of Eshemach, of the tribe of Dan, to all who are wise-hearted, I have given the skill and ability to make everything that I have commanded you. God has a plan. In that plan is us. Some of us have said, I don't give a damn what God wants. I don't care about God. I don't want about religion. I don't, none of that. That's sad and that's pitiful because God knows how much you matter and he fashioned you to matter in his plan, but for your ultimate knowledge of all that he wanted you to become. But some of us have these gifts that God has, and we've determined to keep our hands closed. Say, I will not give it to you, God. And God will let you go to hell. And he has so much for you. But first, the first thing you got to get is his son. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You may be a great artist. You may be a great this and a great that, but if you're not doing and giving those gifts as unto the Lord, letting them be used as unto the Lord, they're going to be burned up. You're going to have a nice piece of artwork that's going to be burned up. But what you do for the Lord last, what you give in your gifts and your talents and your abilities last for the Lord. The last, I wanted to tell you a couple more. Think of Rahab. I told you she was a prostitute. She mattered. Think of Paul's nephew who had to go and tell Paul about the plan. He mattered. Think about Hannah who was barren and depressed and had to go before the Lord and she was blessed to have Samuel. She mattered. Think about Eutychus who was going to hear the word of God and Paul spoke so long he fell out of the window and died and Paul had to come resurrect him. him. He mattered. You matter. The last scripture I'm going to go to is Romans chapter eight, verses one through 18. I'm not going to read all those verses, but I wanted to read the first few verses because I want you to see the exchange that I share with you about the visualization that we should have paid the price of the wages of sin and gone to hell. But God allowed his son, Jesus Christ, to come and take the place of us going to hell and giving his life, his without sin life on that cross so that we would have the gift of God, that we wouldn't have to be condemned. But guess what? Even those who have accepted Jesus Christ still listen to the lie of the devil to feel like there's, when you sin, God says, go before him and repent. 
ask for forgiveness and he will remember it no more. But still Satan whispers in our ears, even after we give our lives to Christ, when we do our dirt, when we have our sin that so easily besets us, when we do things that, you know, we always say, whatever you do in the dark is going to be found in the light. Tell God, God already sees it. Whether the light is on, the light is not off on, on God sees it, but God wants you to understand that there's no, therefore now no more condemnation that God is not trying to condemn us. If he wanted to condemn us, he didn't need to bring Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't need to come off the throne. If his whole purpose was to condemn us. But like I've said, you matter. He didn't want any of us to perish, but he's given us time. Extraordinarily patient is said and a day for God is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, but the time is coming to an end saints and unsaved ones listening to my voice, but you have to make a decision. This is your decision. It's your decision. Nobody's pushing Christ on you, but we're saying it because there will be a time when you close your eyes. You can't think that somebody's going to pray you when you're dead. Somebody's going to pray you out of Hell, that's not working. There is no purgatory. There is no in-between gap where you can have auntie and everybody left behind pray for you. You are going to make a decision while you have breath to make a decision. And that's now do not delay. But for those who have made that decision, I don't want you to be lied to by the devil to think that you're being condemned because verse one says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilt no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, not playing games, not just sitting in a pew and just, just getting their ticket punched and no relationship, not true worshipers. But it says here, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and savior for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new beginning, that new life that God gave us has set you free from the law of sin and death. We deserve the wages of sin, which was death. What is the payment for that one sin of you popping out with the sinless blood that we got from our four parents of Adam and Eve? It's not an innocent baby. Everybody born into sin, shaping in iniquity because of Adam and Eve's sin. We deserve death. That was the wage that we owed and Christ paid the price. For what the law could not do, you can't do no 10 commandments. We could not do all 10 commandments. We're never going to be perfect. Whether it's the first six or the last four, we could not do it. God said we could not do it. We could not try to be perfect. You know, all these people trying to be this legalistic, holier than thou, holiness, this, that. We couldn't do it. We could not live under the law. That's why we are under faith and grace of Christ and his redemption. It says here for what the law could not do, that is overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power being weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Spirit. All that stuff we talk about in Colossians, that's our nature. It's our nature to be angry and have malice and rage and all that stuff and want sex and immorality and have the fun of our flesh. What do you think? We got all these porns and all these browsers and we got drugs and we got all this stuff going on. We got all this hookah stuff and all this nicotine stuff and vapes and all this stuff. All of it's about our flesh. If we want it, we just think we can have it. But there's a consequence. But Satan is never going to talk about the consequence because he wants as many as he can to go to hell with him and the demons. So 
I can't read all of this, but I want to go to the end. Read eight, chapter eight, verses one through 18, but I'm going to read verse. Ooh, I'm going to, I love to read it all. All right. So I'm going to start at verse 14. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. You matter. You matter. The spirit of sons, the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father, your father, our father, Abba, Father wants you to know you matter. You matter. We matter. You matter. I matter. We matter. Abba, Father. Verse 16, the spirit himself testify and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God, children of God. You matter. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs. Also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessings and inheritance. If indeed we share in his suffering so that we may also share in his glory, we matter for I consider from the standpoint of faith that the suffering of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us. And in us, we matter. You matter. For even the whole creation, all nature waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. You matter. And I wish that I could hear everybody's voice say, I matter. I matter. When you wake up in the morning, praise the Lord and let you see yourself in that mirror. When you first say, say, I matter. I'm loved of God. He loves me. He wants me to be with him eternally. He's got the word of God. He's got the Holy Spirit. You matter. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to have more labors in this vineyard because we have to let people know they matter. They're loved. God loves them. I love you and Lord willing, I will see you next week. God bless you. Amen.